Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Thursday, March 16th, 2023. This is your host, Mike Abadir, on the Mike Abadir Show, of course. And this Thursday kicks off March Madness. And boy, has it been maddening thus far. My bracket's toast already. I could throw it away, crumple it up, toss it in the garbage, because it is garbage. Arizona was my champion, Pop. And they're done. Got stung by Ivy League Princeton. What say you, bro? Because I'm like deflated after a really good morning where I had like Furman, you know, etc. Feeling the mojo. We got the rug pulled out from underneath me. Pop, I hope your bracket's doing better than mine. I I got three different brackets going. I know the first one is always the one that I feel the best in because it has UCLA in that one. And pretty much that one got voided out very early because Charleston lost, West Virginia lost, um, and then Virginia lost. So pretty much um, I have to recheck the brackets because I got a lot going, but I'm pretty toasted too. But as I said on Twitter earlier, I said, Day one, if you have a bad day one, you have a great day two. Just don't say you're throwing your bracket all the way out, all the way yet. You know what I mean? Just, you know, relax. Understand that tomorrow's another day, and we'll, we'll, we'll try to get it back tomorrow. But we still got a whole bunch of time tonight. We got eight more games to go uh, tonight, which is going to be fun, you know, and uh, I think that all in all, the betters can make their money back if they if they find that game, but Sometimes I feel like when you get the upsets early in the day, you're not going to get the upsets later in the day. You know, it's just like the racetrack. You know, you'll be in the first five races, first three out of five races, got nothing but shots hitting. Then you'll try, you'll feel like you can get that same momentum races six through nine. Then you wind up getting nothing but seven to two, five to two, one to two, and one to five at the end of the day. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, well, we didn't make anything, but all right. It it, it 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 um straightened itself out, you know. So, you know, it's it's all fun. That's what's fun about March Madness. And a lot of times when you're not watching college basketball like uh exclusively like all the time, like I do, you know, a lot of people are kind of this is their first actual day actually looking at college basketball. I know they've been following the rankings and things like that. But since we don't have enough news on college basketball like we used to back in the day, I know a lot of people kind of come into this thing just, all right, well, I'm just going to go with names. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's almost like something that you can't do. You have to really do your studying when it comes to March Madness and things like that. And I feel like they set up probably the hardest March Madness of all time. So anybody who would have had a perfect bracket today, they're, they they probably jumped in Doc Brown's DeLorean and got the answers before all of us, Mike. Back to the future reference. Yeah. Love it. That's you funny. know, um, 
I think what can give some people hope in their brackets is that there's probably been a lot of people losing these games, you know, um, like a lot of people are probably in the same boat, you know, but for me, since AZ was going to be one of my, you know, was my top play. Uh, I did two brackets also pop. And I, in both of them, I had Arizona going against UCLA in the finals. The first time ever, it's going to be a pack 10 pack 12 all time uh, matchup for the ages. That was what I was envisioning. Uh, but it didn't, it didn't get past Thursday of day one uh, at, at 3 PM Pacific time. So, We'll get more into the March Madness tournament. Get some of your thoughts about day two. I know a lot of people listen to the show later on. So you may be hearing about things when you're listening that have already happened. But one thing that hasn't happened yet, the MLB season. It's getting really close, Pop. I'm getting excited. This uh, WBC tournament has been a perfect appetizer to get ready for the season. I I love everything about this tournament, man. It's been pretty intense so far. Have you had a chance to watch some of these games? Um I got I watched a little bit of the um Puerto Rico Israel game. That was pretty good. And I saw a little I saw I saw some some of the Canada USA game and um I was really impressed with um, the way that they went about whooping up on Team Canada as well, too. I wish it, it could have been the same results with Mexico, but I don't know what happened in that game. But it is what it is. Sometimes, you know, Mexico, you know, you need to get, you know, get those um, wake-up calls. And if if anybody in North America can ever give the USA a wake-up call, it seems to always be Mexico. Because Canada always seems like – Okay, hey Canada, how you doing? Our neighbors to the north, let's go ahead and get this over with. You know what I mean? Except for if it's a hockey game. But it always seems like in any sport but basketball, you when we play Mexico, it's like they're it's their Super Bowl, like every time. You know what I mean? So that's and that, that was like their World Series. And I really feel like the WBC has absolutely um been a smash hit, to be honest with you. And I know that a lot of people were probably upset about what happened to Edwin Diaz the other day, but that's the, the risk of doing the WBC as well, too. And that's the risk of signing a big contract right before you do something like that as well, too. Most players that are a part of that have already been three, four, five years into their contract, and they know not to act so silly, but that's just kind of like the way that they are. And I'm not trying to be get people all in the panties in a bunch about it or anything like that because it's nothing to do with race, but everybody knows that the Central and South American players play with a different type of flair and a different type of uh, attitude than the regular American baseball players. See, American baseball players are chill, you know, act like you've been here before. But, you know, with the with the Central and Southern American um players they're more into the 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 party element of sports hey having a good time you know what i mean and um you know dance and salsa and all that good stuff and you know make a bunch of noise at the game and everything like that so pretty much that's 
a part of the culture. So people couldn't get that mad at Diaz for celebrating with his teammates. But I do understand at the same time, too, bro, you guys just made it to the semifinal. Calm down. Just go over there and uh, 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 hot five, hot five, and then get your ass back out to the uh, locker room. What are you doing with all this extra stuff? So I feel like that's probably the only thing that you could throw out there and be like, man, that is why, you know, you, you, you kind of don't risk it. But I truly do feel like at the end of the day that this is 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 tremendous for baseball right now. And I saw somebody say, uh, yeah, you know, America is, is talking about it's mythical and all this other stuff because they ain't never. And I said, hold up, we did with the World Cup and stuff. It's all mythical and all this stuff because, you know, um, they never won one. But I was like, man, well, we won the WBZ. And we've had some of our best players of all time play in it. And that's why I feel like this is going to be something that's going to be awesome for the world moving forward. They keep talking about, you know, soccer being this great international sport and everything like that. Baseball is a great international sport. 65 million people in Japan watch the WBC, Mike. Shohei Atani is is box office in Asia right now. He's box office in America right now. And he's bringing this kind of ruthier this kind of ruth mystique back to the game and it's working it's working big time it's just that the angels don't win no damn games if the angels were winning games right now the angels would be a disney story literally they would be they would they could do whatever they wanted in hollywood right now if you gave them the dodgers roster and you give them mike trout and you give them shohei atani i'm telling you right now the dodgers are literally on the same page as the 1927 Yankees, bro. Seriously. On popularity. Like, it would be rock star, rock starian. And so I think the push to bring Shohei to the Dodgers has to be increased even harder in that, um, in the front office for the Dodgers because he's must-see TV, and the Dodgers are the probably the only team other than the Yankees that can deliver uh, must-see TV type lineup to go around that uh that special player as well too but it's also opening up the door for everybody to to get to know these new usa superstars like cedric mullins and like um and like uh i want to say chaz chisholm but he's not out there um but bobby witt bobby witt you know there's it gives everybody kind of a a good idea and then you you know you kind of get into that that um old episode of Simpsons a little bit when you see the WBC team, it's like, man, these are all the all-stars on one team, like Mr. Burns' ultimate team. And I think that's what's going to make sell the WBC so well with America is that you can sell the best nine players in baseball, best 15 players in baseball, not just, you know, some people voted in by the fans and things like that. You actually have the best of the best playing. And it goes back to the old days of baseball where you really have the best players on the planet playing each other. And that's always fun when you can get the top of, of the line baseball players to go against each other. And we have to remember that these are the all-stars for all these countries, man. These are the best of the best because they play baseball in all these countries that are, are involved in it. And, you know, it's awesome to see um, Puerto Rico get together with their what they feel is their dream team. And you see the Puerto Rican athletes flocking to Miami like Amanda Soriano, the uh, undisputed uh, 
champion, uh, boxing champion. She was there all weekend with the team, and she was absolutely ecstatic. She was acting like it was the World Series. So, you know, you, you take that into uh, fruition. Then you got the Dominican team. Same thing. It's your dream team. You know what I mean? It's like, wow, you know, it's something that when we were kids, Mike, we would have been in love with the WBC. We truly would have been in love with it. But baseball wasn't that international. It was an international game, but it was more about – whatever was going on in the MLB. You wasn't going to be able to have a WBC because it would have been just, it would have been like literally slaughterhouse. You know that, Mike. It, come on, Mark McGuire and Albert Bell. And, you know, just you start naming off the guys that would have played for these U.S. teams that they would have started this back in 84 or something like that. Dude, America would have been winning these games 25 to zip. Dude, literally. So, the best time to do it is right now because baseball is an international game. Baseball has every single um, continent damn near represented. And that's probably the only sport that can truly say that because and they don't play the whole uh, color line game. It's about who's good enough to be on the team. It's not about a quota and what fan base is here so we can satisfy uh, what they're looking at. You know, so baseball to me, I'm excited, Mike. And I seen, I guess you can hear it in my voice a little bit. So I'm going to let you take the floor because I know I've been talking a bit too much. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. The only, the only issue is you hit on so many good things. Uh, I almost have to like write down notes because you, you touched on really a lot of interesting points. I want to go to Diaz for a second. You'd mentioned, you know, it's not a race thing, but it is a cultural thing. Right. I mean, those cultures really are celebratory, you know, in comparison to conservative old America, when it comes to baseball, at least uh, those games can be wild. When you watch the Caribbean championship, even when you watch like Korean baseball, some of these WBC games that have been played in Asia, man, they got cheerleaders dancing on top of the dugout. I mean, it's just completely different vibe and feel. And people, it's almost kind of like they had the soccer chants in the background. They're singing. They had whistles that were they were blowing them during the game. Uh, there's all sorts of sound. You know, sometimes when you go to an MLB game, like a day game or something, you could almost hear a pen drop sometimes. Uh, over there, it's like a party. Uh, that surprised me about some of these Asian ball clubs, you know, Korea, <laughs> Korea, Japan, uh, etc., China. Uh, it, and then, of course, Latin America. And I mean, they're they're known for the cultural pizzazz. But the one thing I do take exception, Pop, about something you said which is the celebration. Here's the thing. Currently in Major League Baseball, when you hit a walk-off home run or a walk-off game-winning RBI, everybody comes and dances and jumps up and down. So what's the difference? Like, why are we giving them a hard time when we do the same thing under certain circumstances you know what i mean pop that that's the one thing that like you know when when mlb purists or traditionalists or 
whatever you want to call them, you know, mentioned that type of thing. I'm like, well, hey, man, you know, in, in a walk-off situation, they're celebrating too over here. So I don't have a problem with it because I think that it attracts a lot more people, which is better than the the perception that this is a sleepy game. It moves slow, boring, you know, that type of thing. Uh, of course, for hardcore baseball fans like us, we're, we're never going to see it that way, but we could understand how some people kind of come up with that perception. Um, so I, I love the festivities. I think it's cool. I'm, I'm good with it. I don't think it hurts the game in any way, except when somebody steps on your foot. Really, really unfortunate accident, fluke accident for Diaz. Uh, he, he's been coming off of back-to-back really good seasons, which is important because the year prior, when he came over from the Mariners to the Mets, he stunk up the joint. I like it when I see a guy right the ship, when he's able to right his wrongs, figure it out, and get back to dominant form. I, I absolutely love that. I want to touch on your other points too, Pop, but we're up against the timeout. Let's take our first commercial. We'll come back. More WBC, NCAA, and all the other initials that you want to hear about. Stay with us, everyone. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the com. Now, back to this week's program. Back for the second segment on the Mike Abadir Show. We're in the midst of March Madness. And Duke's actually... Uh, don't don't shutting out Oral Roberts. It's a shutout, man. I'll start, Mike. I'm it's actually- a shutout. Eleven zero, five and a half minutes into the game. As we speak, and you just want to really mess with me right now because you know I'm heavy on Oral Roberts today. Yeah, I feel like it's the it's the f pop day today. You know that. None of my dogs want to come in. All my dogs come in when I need my dogs to come in. But for some odd reason, my dogs are running loose around the neighborhood right now, Mike. Or Roberts, I was heavy on them. I was heavy on Charleston. I told everybody today, play the uh, Charleston Oral Roberts parlay and let's book it and let's get down the road. And see where we're at right now, Mike, over here stressing. Well, I'm obviously well, kidding I'm around stressing. about pitching a shutout, but okay. they're – this is a lot of time in that game, so obviously I'm kind of joshing around about the shutout. What is the line on Duke Oral Roberts? It's plus six and a half for Oral uh, Roberts on the spread them, and then I got them at plus two ten tonight on the money line. We're not looking for a spread, Mike. We're trying to win the game. We're not doing the spread. That's that's for insurance. We we trying to get the big enchilada tonight. So, but that's six and a half. That I mean, that shows a lot of respect for Oral Roberts. But Oral Roberts won 30 games, Mike. They they haven't won. Yeah, but so many, like, those small conference schools, you know, win, Mike, like, 27, 28, 29, 30 games, you know. No, not all these small conference schools. There's only two. There's only so many of them that won 30 games this year. And I was like, it's pretty incredible when you are one of the two teams that won 30 games and you guys are not top 25 teams at all. You have to understand, all the top teams in the nation, all the power schools, none of them won 30 games this year. None of them. So you have to give them some love. You know what I mean? And Oral Roberts, you remember what they did in the tournament a few years ago. So that's all I, all I was looking at was that this team had a lot of those same guys still there, including the top scorer, and pretty much, um, you know, um, ran, went 18-0 and in conference play. So how do you reward yourself with a big win over Duke? But Duke, I – I even knew this coming in. Duke is hotter than fish grease right now, and it's gonna be tough. And it's gonna be tough to beat Duke. It's that simple. It's just this team. It doesn't matter if Coach K's t- uh, coaching them or if Mike Abadir is coaching them. The recruiting is is the recruiting, and they're gonna bring in the top players in the nations. So it's showing up right now, and they all just finally got it because they had to get used to their coach. So this may be the same situation that happened for North Carolina last season where, you know, Hubert Davis got hot at the right time. But I would say him and John Shire do not have the same type of path because Duke was really – Duke was on fire literally at the end of the year, and they absolutely crushed the ACC tournament. Well, let me ask you something, Pop. You, you, you brought up Duke and the recruiting and stuff like that. I have a question for you. I'm not talking in terms of an NBA factory, but who's a better – college basketball factory in terms of recruiting developing them and having them be studs at the collegiate level duke or kentucky um i would say at this point in time if it was maybe five six seven years ago 
it, I would say it was probably would be um, Kentucky because Kentucky was always getting those NBA top five guys every year for a good amount of time. And I would say that now you would probably say it's Duke because Duke's bringing in a lot of those guys as well too. But I would really say neither. You would, I, I got to give UCLA their props because I looked at UCLA's uh, team from about, mm, I would say – um, the team that went to the the last team to go to the national championship, the team that lost to Florida, Jordan Farmer, Darren Collison, Ryan Hollins, um, Embute, Alfred Aboya, Russell Westbrook. Um, I'm hope I'm not forgetting anybody right now either. All those guys went to the NBA. They I, I named off seven guys that Ben Howland to put in the NBA. Ben yeah, but you you can't really compare the consistency of Duke and, and Kentucky to UCLA, can you? Man, UCLA has been putting in the uh, NBA guys for the last for for a long, long for literally my whole life, and I feel like UCLA always figures out a way to get guys in there. If they might not be all stars, but they wind up being um ten year veterans, and they wind up being guys that are very usable for your team. But I would say, though, if you compare the two in the last decade, Kentucky had the upper hand for a while there when Calipari first got there. Because you have to understand, Kentucky didn't start doing this until Calipari got there. And Duke was Duke in North Carolina used to be the, uh, okay, who's who are we bringing in here? Who's a big, big talent that will possibly go to the NBA? Then North Carolina decided to stop bringing in All-Americans and just bring in really good basketball players. So they were kind of out of it after a while because a lot of guys weren't going to the NBA anymore. So, you know, I would say that possibly Duke would, would be right there. But I only bring up UCL. I wanted to finish a point, though, real quick. Ben Howland might have the biggest drop-off for a coach ever because you have to understand, Ben Howland was doing, did a damn good job at Northern Arizona. That propelled him to his job over at Pitt. He literally built Pitt from the ground up, and he put. I think he 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 at least sent at least six, seven guys to the NBA in his Pitt tenure as well, too. Then he gets the big UCLA job, and it was crazy because he went from being a Big E school to coming out to the Pac-12. But UCLA is a different job. UCLA is a is one of the top five jobs in all of college basketball. So if UCLA calls, you're gonna you're gonna answer the phone. So pretty much he gets to UCLA. He finally has the tools to recruit all the best players on the West Coast. He goes to three out of four uh, national, uh, three out of four um, final fours, his first four seasons um, with UCLA. And then he starts recruiting these guys that don't fit the U UCLA culture. And then all of a sudden he's out as the UCLA coach. And he has not been the same ever since. He went to Mississippi State, and you would think that when you're a great coach like that, you, you go to uh, Mississippi State and you can go ahead and recruit some top-end players to come over there and play with you in the SEC. Nope, not at all. What happened was is a total reverse. They just got put out the other night. It's like they haven't been able to do anything since uh, – he hasn't been able to do anything since he's uh, left UCLA. Literally, they don't even talk about Ben Howland. I was like, that's a damn travesty for a guy who's been to that many uh, Final Fours. That kind of reminds me in terms of, uh, you know, being at UCLA and then and then moving on or or being bounced out or whatever mm -hmm. and doing something afterwards uh before that it was a uh, steve lavin 
before that it was Jim Herrick. And these guys didn't do nothing after after UCLA. You know what I mean? Well, Harry did all right over at Rhode Island. He had some things going up, uh, some good things going over at yeah, Rhode Island. Yeah, but it was Rhode Island. I mean, Rhode Island. And then it, that, that got him to Georgia. That got him to Georgia. Georgia was okay. But the problem with Jim Herrick was Jim Herrick always was being followed around by scandals. He he he, 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 he just wasn't one of the boys. It's all, And they always had a hard on for getting him violated, just like they did with Shark when he was with UNO. They did the same thing with Shark. Shark leaves UNLV, goes to Fresno State, they violate uh, Fresno State. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it, it's a never-ending story. There's just some guys they just don't like, but you know, they don't do that anymore in the NCAA, but man, me me and you are from that old NCAA where they used to have their, their real, they had their favorites and they had the guys that they didn't like. And the, if you weren't a blue blood Kentucky, UCLA, if you weren't a blue blood Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, they always question things. And you know this, Mike, in, in um, college basketball. They don't do it anymore, but they used to question it like, why is this Vegas? Why is the Vegas school so good? You know what I mean? Uh, why is this? Uh, why is why is Temple playing so well right now? Why is UMass playing so well right now? What the hell is this? You know what I mean? So, you know, I would say that we probably came from a way more competitive time in college basketball because the rules were so tight. You know what I mean? It's and players just didn't get into college because somebody was able to talk to a cousin over at the in the office to get you in there. Literally, you had to pass the test, Mike. Just like how you tell me all the time, everybody keeps saying they agent. They ain't no agent because you have to pass the test, and only five point five percent pass the test. So. It's the same thing for college. And college denied a lot of great basketball players of going to college as well. So, you know, we're from a time where 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 college basketball used to only let in real student athletes. Now college basketball, they changed the rules. They they lessened it, tightened it up a little. They and they made it to where it's a little bit more comfortable for guys getting in here. So that's why we get way better play. But that's why we get so many guys leaving schools and not sticking around and things like that because they don't have to work that hard to get in there like guys did in the 90s, in the 80s, and things like that. Man, you brought me back when you mentioned Tarkanian. Shark, Park the Shark was, was a phenomenal head coach. I mean, he took Vegas. They were nothing before, and they're nothing after. To what, like 10th Street uh, NCAA appearances? Something like that? What, a championship? <laughs> I mean, he brought a real deal excitement to the desert. And those teams had a lot of flair, man. Grandma Ma and all those guys, Stacey Ogman. I mean, they were really fun teams to watch. You know, there's not a lot of teams where I can remember a bunch of guys from the roster in college basketball 20 or 30 years later. You know, only the teams that really leave a strong imprint, kind of like how you rattled off that uh, UCLA team with Westbrook and company, you know, um, prior to that, like I remember the team with O'Bannon. Both O'Bannons and um, and uh, uh, Tyus Edney and uh, Toby. It was a Toby Bailey on that team. Yeah. You know, uh, there's there's just 
something about certain teams. And like, I can't do that with every North Carolina team that was good or every Duke team that was good. Teams that really leave that imprint. And Tark, Tark was all about that. And I think he was a big part of it. And uh, yeah, anyways, so quick tribute to uh, to Tark there, man. I'm glad that you brought him up because uh, he was one of my favorites. And uh, I, I, my seventh grade coach took us to uh, watch UNLV during their championship run. He took us to uh, UOP in Stockton, and we watched that game. I may have mentioned this to you before, but that was a thrilling game to go to. Because I sit down, I'm eating my popcorn or whatever, and then somebody comes and sits right next to me. I turn and I look, it's Reggie Theus. Mm. Reggie Theus, because he played for the Sacramento Kings at that time. Sacramento's really close to Stockton. He came to watch the game, sitting right next to me. Man, that was the coolest thing. I rapped with Reggie Theus almost the whole game. He was super cool about it too. Like I was like, "Hey, I don't want to bother you, or whatever." He's like, "You're fine, man. You're fine." So, anyways, great, great memory for me when it comes to uh, UNLV and uh, Tarkanian and Reggie Theus and all that good stuff. Uh, I, after that, by the way, is when Michael Olawa Candy uh, was at UOP. That was a few years later. Um, and, and he kind of kept UOP in the limelight a little bit. But um, anyways, Pop, before we move on from college basketball, who's your champion? Who's your championship game? I know you got three brackets, but generally speaking, who, who which team have you been uh, touting to win it all? You, Pete. L.A. Fight, fight, Mike. Okay. Let, me tell you, let me tell you, but let me tell you how they did me dirty. I always pick five teams that I feel can win the tournament, right? But I got one team I know that's my team that I'm going to ride. I'm going to ride that wave through and through. UCLA this year for sure. UCLA, and it's not because I'm a UCLA, I love a UCLA lifelong fan. Because if they weren't good enough, I wasn't I'm not putting them in the national championship. It's that simple. I, it could be a fantasy one. But this team is really good, Mike. They're really, really good. But when you led by two senior leaders like J.J. and Tiger, it's it's a wrap. I, I, I feel like the competitiveness of Jaime Yaquez is just like Larry Bird, like damn near identical to Larry Bird. He might not put up buckets like Larry did, even though there's some nights he does put up some buckets like that. And then Tiger, he just has that competitive, I'm not going to quit mentality. But it all goes back to Mick Cronin, bro. Mick Cronin is a hell of a coach. And Mick Cronin loves to win basketball games. But he loves to win basketball games the right way. And he's a, he's a gritty, grimy coach, and he's always ready for those type of moments. And he's really toughened up this UCLA program. He did everything that Ben Howland did in the beginning. You know what I mean? and But Ben Howland was able to recruit a lot of really good players. Mick Cronin didn't have that luxury. He re recruited who who wanted to come to UCLA at the time. And literally he had to pick up on guys that were that were part of the uh, portal. 
So, you know, pretty much he was able to mold this team into the shape and form that he had that tough Cincinnati team in. So, you know, it's almost like sometimes coaches are so great, but they have to leave a certain school because they're not they don't have the same resources they can have at this school. If Mick Cronin had his choice and had the same resources he had at UC, has at UCLA that that he could have had at um, Cincinnati, he'd still be at Cincinnati. So he knows that, but the, he knows that it's a greater calling being UCLA's coach. And he's really stepped up to the mantle. And I think that UCLA is going to reward him here in his, I think, third, fourth season here as the head coach this year. And that's why I feel like they can get it because they got the big man that plays the defense. They got the super freshman that can score 30 every night if he needs to. And then they got guys off the bench that know exactly what their jobs are supposed to be. But you got those two senior leaders and you got the other senior leader coming off the bench, David Singleton, that makes everything that much better for UCLA at the end of the day. But I like UCLA and Alabama in this game. I think that's the best game that we could possibly get for a national championship. That's a Q-rating game, and that game will do big numbers on the final Monday of the college basketball season, the first Monday in April, if we if that game is booked. Well, I'd have to go back and think about whether or not uh, I can come up with a time period where both the football and the basketball team were really good. Maybe Florida, like in the mid 2000, like six, seven, eight time period where the football team was really good and the basketball team was really good. But uh, embarrassment of riches when it comes to Alabama, uh, you know, if, if they are able to do it, it'll light a fire under Saban's ass to, to make sure that uh, he not only gets into the college football playoff, but that he wins this damn thing. So that'll be fun. I'm, I'm rooting for UCLA. I'm not a UCLA fan, but I am rooting for them for uh, our, our buddy, Dan Cronin, Keeneland Dan, as he's affectionately called. He's a Cincinnati fan. Stop it, Mike. His, <laughs> he he is a Cincinnati fan, but uh, you know, obviously he's rooting for his. Obviously he's rooting for his brother. I'm you know what I mean? Yo, Dan, remind Dan of that nice double double I gave him over at Santa Anita on a Thursday, and then he unfollowed me. <laughs> I don't think it was on purpose, though. I don't think it was on purpose. You know, I'm sure it wasn't, man. I'm but sure it Dan's wasn't. Dan's good people, though. That's why I always bring him. Every time somebody brings up uh, Dan, the. Uh, Ball, fat ball racing guy. I always bring up the fact that I gave him a double double at Santa Anita. You know what I mean? And it was a it was a nice winner too, Mike. It was like a hundred and fifty dollar winner. What? Yeah, Mike. It was one. Of, Mike, I used to be Mister Thursday Afternoon at Santa Anita. Everybody used to come to me for the Thursday play because I could always find you a ten to one or better on that day. But I just used to have to figure out what race it was going to be, and it was always a twelve five claimer too. Wow, that's some crazy stuff, man. Well, we're we're looking for hopefully $150 winners this coming up weekend. Stay with us, everyone. We're going to be back for the final segment. Don't go anywhere. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, 
parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. We've touched on the WBC. We've touched upon the uh, March Madness Tournament. We've taken you for a little ride uh, in in history books uh, dealing with UCLA and UNLV. We could go on and on and on, but we're going to enjoy this tournament, and then we'll be able to do a lot more recapping next Thursday because uh, we'll start really getting into the uh, hardcore Sweet 16 levels uh, by the time we come around next week. In the meantime, a lot of NFL news, a lot of big-time NFL news, a lot of drama, a lot of Aaron Rodgers doing what Brett Favre used to do just, uh, what, 12, 13, 14 years ago, whenever it was. Um, it's kind of it's like just reincarnated in, in a different human being. I want to start there real fast, and then we could talk about the Raiders do you really envision A-Rod, Aaron Rodgers, playing for the Jets? Well, you know what? At the end of the day, it it it, uh, it might, you know, I overuse this saying a lot. It is what it is, Mike. And all he's doing is, is I said that, man, you want to do everything Brent Favre did. You know, win one Super Bowl with the uh, Packers and act like winning that one Super Bowl was five of them. Then have great seasons of uh, overachieving and then losing in the first game that you guys have in the playoffs. Um, sounds a lot like the script of Britt Favre um, after he won the Super Bowl. The decade that we spent on him just being great on Sundays and then losing big games after that. And so then what happens is, is that they shut the door on Varb. They wouldn't even let him at the come into the facility, Mike. But this this a hole, a rod, has literally said to the uh, Packers, "You guys just aren't good enough for me anymore." Even though you guys have gave him given me a king's ransom at quarterback, and I didn't, I wasn't playing to the same level as Brady. Even though I, I I've had some great games and some great moments, but I didn't do what Brady did. To, to deserve that money, but by you holding them hostage on the, the salary, they can't ever bring anybody around you. I've never seen a team have not be able to keep their top players, uh, Mike. 
Like literally, they have. When have they ever been able to keep a top receiver? Let's keep it real. When have they been able to keep a top receiver that they've had? Every single one of their top receivers left in free agency. Every single one of them, and that's because they could never get paid the amount of money that they wanted to get paid because they were always paying him. So when I look at that, I said that this is a selfish player, bro. This is why he's never won any championships. So if you want to go to New York and go to New York and feel like you're going to do something great in New York because everybody got a little excited about them getting off to a good little start against a whole bunch of bad teams last year, okay, go ahead and knock yourself out. But the Jets are still a toxic franchise, and he's a toxic player. So more toxicity just means more ish show, Mike, and that's it and that's all. I, to me, it ain't no big deal to me because at the end of the day, it's a third place finish regardless, Mike. And that's all I got to say. A a very interesting point, by the way, how many times the Green Bay Packers underachieved in the playoffs, 13 and three record looked dominating and then just lay an egg in the playoff playoffs against teams that are inferior to them. I mean, it's really unbelievable uh, Aaron Rodgers has been a part of that way too many times. I'm sorry. Four or nine points? Come on, Mike. Uh, four touchdowns, Mike? Come on. I know. I know. It's really unbelievable. Uh, with that said, here's the most interesting thing about the situation, man. Supposedly, he gave his list of demands to the New York Jets. If I'm going to play with you guys, this is what I want. I was shocked to see that a part of the list is a bunch of the Green Bay Packers receivers. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? I thought that was the biggest like problem with the Packers and, and that you wanted receivers, even though you were hogging up all the money. And then, now he wants them. And it's it just head scratching, man. What do you make of that? I mean, that just doesn't make any sense at all. I don't know. That's what happens when you over there, uh, Hanging it. That's what happens when you slip it in the darkness, man. It's when you slip in the darkness and when you're doing uh, dr- uh, whatever that drug is called in right. the jungle. In the jungle. Right. Why don't we just get off the drugs, man? Because you hallucinate now. Like What's it called? Ayakusa or something? I don't know if it's shrooms anymore, Mike. It's, it might be some idiot. It might be some some of that goofy juice. Yeah, I think it's called... Uh, Iwakasa, I think. I'm probably mispronouncing it, but it's something like that, man. And, uh, yeah, to me... It's called egomaniac, Mike. That's what it's called. He is an egomaniac for sure. And I think he's a little bit too full of himself. You see how much he looks forward to being on the Pat McAfee show. I was at the Super Bowl with Pat McAfee. I know everybody loves Pat McAfee and stuff like that, but I did not see any, 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 any charm in his. I didn't see anything that makes me be like, I got to watch his show. I just saw a bro time. You know what I mean? Like, bro, bro. That's all I can, all I think about when I see Pat McAfee is bro being said 1,500 times. That's it. Bro. Most most famous punter in the world. But he ain't the best of all time, though. I'm going to tell you the best punter of all time. was man, and they always they never talk about him. But it's our boy Goose Gossett, number uh seven from the Raiders. Ray guy, you mean? No, good. Uh, well, I gotta go off of my. Sometimes I gotta live in my time, Mike. You know what I mean? If eighties, nineties, two thousand, two thousand tens, two thousand twenties, they used to have a punter on the Raiders, number seven, Jeff Gossett, was 
the man. He was awesome. We yeah, but Ray Guy is a Hall of Famer. I know, man. But Mike, come on. I I was it, I was still swimming around somewhere, um, you know, uh, with no brain, no nothing. Uh, when Ray Guy was kicking. Well, yeah, I don't remember him playing either. But uh, yeah, we know he's the best, though. We know Ray Guy is the best. Uh, but, oh yeah. Uh, but come on, don't ever forget about my man Reggie Roby, though. Reggie. I Roby, was just gonna Tampa, say Tampa Reggie Roby, man. Houston Oilers. That guy, you know, when you get contracts on other teams as a punter, you a good punter. You know what I mean? If you play I loved teams, him on the punter, Dolphins, man. Loved him on yeah. the Dolphins. How come there aren't more uh, brothers punting? Well, you know, there was a little bit of a, a rash of them coming. To the, the, the Browns had Hodges, who ran a 69-yard touchdown. And then, you know, we had our man from uh, Jack, from um, our boy who was on the Raiders for a while, Gruden cut him. Yeah, well, I think he had some kind of like off, he not off field. It was something like a personal it foul. Wasn't off, it wasn't off field. Any anything. He just talked too much. That's it was a it personal is. foul or something that rubbed him the wrong way. Yeah. Maybe he Gruden, was talking smack or Gruden something. Didn't, Gruden didn't like what he did in one of one of the Raider games at the end of the year, and it kind of messed the Raiders up in that game. But that's what happens when you play in Oakland, bro. But. Marquise King, Mar- Marquise King was always great because he was the replacement for the great Shane Letwood. And right. they put Marquette King, they put him on the, the side for a while. They put him on the side for two years before they even let him become the official punter of the team. That's how good it was with Leckler, but that's how good Marquette was. Yeah, but, he was he was he was the real deal, man. He just played with a lot of flair and emotion, unlike the punter right. position. And you don't want your punter doing that. You just and, and it got the best of him. Fifteen-yard penalties, bro. You just just know. Yeah, <laughs> no. it got it got the best of him, man. But uh, he was he was a lot of fun. Uh, let's let's stick with the Raiders. Jimmy G. Jimmy G. What Jimmy say G? you, Mike? What did we say? What did I say to you, bro, last month? Last month, I said the Raiders are not going to get anything they want. They're going to have to settle. And I said that they're not going to be able to trade Derek Carr because he's not going to let, let that happen. Mike, me and you, Underhill, everybody knew he was at the New Orleans, but he was not going to do the Raiders any favors. He did not. That's why he had a no trade clause. You're never going to trade me, uh, Mark. I'm going to choose where I want to go. If you don't want me on your team, you can cut me. And that's exactly what happened. And pretty much then they said, okay, we're going to go after Rodgers. And then Rodgers' price tag is a bit too much. And they never had the intentions of going after Rodgers. They just re- – Devontae Adams was just having some good some good uh, fun with the uh, media, in my opinion. And I always told you that I said, at the end of the day, they're going to wind up with Jimmy G. And that's exactly who they went wound up with. Because the more and more I kept looking at, I kept saying to myself, there's no way that they're going to get any of these guys that they have on their wish list that they really want. They're going to get the guy that McDaniels is the most comfortable with. And that's who his number one target always was, was Jimmy G. And now the Raiders are even talking about not picking a, a quarterback at seven, which I actually agree with. I feel like they need to go after that quarterback in the second round. You don't need to worry about a quarterback being a first rounder this year because they're, they they really, in, in reality, you only got two quarterbacks that are a true first round grade, in my opinion. The others are just reaches. And you know what? You don't need to reach. Just go get Paris Johnson and call it a day. <laughs> oh, man. 
so does Jimmy G continue his winning ways? I'm not saying that teams win because of Jimmy G, but so far he's he's had some pretty good uh, fortune when it comes to winning games. Right, he's bringing a defense for him. He can't do anything without a defense. New England had a defense. San Francisco had a defense. Are the Raiders – do the Raiders think that they're going to be able to be good with a, with the 26-ranked defense and Jimmy G up there uh, pacing pacing the offense? Come on, Mike, keep it real. Okay, he's going to need a defense, and he's going to need a, a great running game as well too. Those are the two things that he's going to need. The running game is there. The defense isn't. Let's just keep it real. Raiders going 6-11 and uh, six and 11 next year, Mike. Let's just be honest. Yeah, man, uh, I, I, I kind of see it that way too. Uh, I'm not a big Jimmy G fan. I think that was. I think the. I think this is a big downgrade from Carr. Uh, I just don't see it. Um, but look, the options are very limited in the NFL, and a lot of it does have to do with the relationships. And obviously, the head coach, who I already have said on the air many times that I don't like him, but the head coach and the QB go back a long ways to the days of new England. They both have their comfort zones with each other. Uh, they know each other. Uh, they think that they're going to team up to do something special. At this point, I have zero faith in McDaniels. I just have not seen anything to suggest that he's going to be a winner with the Raiders. Just don't see it, man. Just don't see it. And, Remember, he was the guy that was all hyped up on Tebow, right? So, I mean, I don't think that he's a great evaluator. I don't think he's a great game day coach. I don't think he's a great day-to-day, week-to-week head coach. I think he's an offensive coordinator for Bill Belichick. That's as good as it's going to get for the dude. That's just my take on it. And the only only team that he needed to be coaching is McKinley High School, where my mom, where him and my mom went to out in Canton, Ohio. They didn't go there together, y'all, because my mom is much older than him. But thing is, though, you know, he's a high school football coach acting like he's an NFL coach, bro. It's that simple. But real (laughs) quick, I know we got to go, but real quick, thirty seconds after we're done with this. If once you fire J Mac, if I'm a part of the board of the Raiders, because you know that Mark Davis does is not the full owner of the Raiders, he has right. to answer to the board. If I was the board, I would remove Mark Davis. Like literally, get the hell out of here. You're not your dad, bro. You just get on, man. You know what I mean? Like we we tried, we we we, we tried. Go talk to Mama and go get somebody else in charge. Man, look, man, Dad didn't have any faith in in son. At all. He wanted to keep him as far away. When I worked for the Raiders, they kept Mark Davis as far away as possible. And they they let him uh, just deal with the merchandise side. And he went to his mommy. Raiders image. He went to his mommy to get the team. The Raiders is already in place to be sold. I know what the story was, but I don't want to get too far into it. Yeah, man, that's crazy stuff. We are are about to uh, wrap things up. Uh, we didn't even get into baseball. We were looking to preview some of the divisions. So we'll come at you guys next week with an action-packed, loaded MLB preview show as we start getting closer. What was that? I said we might need to start going two hours. 
Yeah, no kidding, man. But anyways, for now, we're just a one-hour show. That's all the time we got. As always, thanks, Pop. Thank you to Voice America, to our guy making it all happen behind the scenes, to you, the listener. Without you, there's no show. We will see you same time, same place next week. Good luck on your brackets, and enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america variety channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit VoiceAmerica.com. the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas